You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Good to be back in the seat after a little vacation. Um, Every week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Scott, come to you bringing you the information that doctors talk about in doctors' lounges all across the country. We try to inform you about the um, medical issues that are capturing the day so that you will be informed and be able to advocate for yourself and your family so that you get the best health care possible. The show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is uh, uh, based on, we. our goals are basically twofold. It's to preserve um, health care freedom for all Americans, to fight for your uh, health care freedom, and to preserve the doctor-patient relationship, which is uh, deteriorating by the minute. The um, uh, Docs for Patient Care Foundation uh, is a uh, important organization that you need to support, especially in this day and age, this time in our history, and we're more important than ever. So you need to go to our website at d4pcfoundation.org and help to uh, contribute, support the work that we're doing so that we can stay in the fight, because without your help, um, we will not be able to continue to do the things that we do and Trust me, uh, you need Docs for Patient Care more than you think. So please go to our website and contribute generously so that we can keep doing this show and do all the other work that we're doing. So it was great to take a vacation. We're in fall now. It's autumn. And um, the uh, weather here in the southeast is changed overnight and we've got cooler weather and the uh, the vacation that I took was an awesome vacation I went to the national parks out west to Yellowstone to Grand Teton and no I was not uh, involved in the disappearance of that young girl in Grand Teton National Park a horrible tragedy um but um, the uh, the respite that I took was was very very needed. But um, you come back and the problems that you left are still there. The issues have not changed. The the um, the it's just uh, like Groundhog Day. Every single day is is um, just like the day before. <sighs> Everywhere that I've gone on my vacation and coming back, what dominates the conversation? What is it that every single person talks about after greeting them and niceties and and uh, and you know the the all the pleasantries that that people exchange with each other 
it's it's COVID. Every conversation, every waking minute is is um, consumed with COVID. On my vacation, I was able to um, uh, go to a wedding. Um, uh, that's one of the reasons why we went out west. And uh, the the fortunately the family had means and they were able to put up a tent outside at the venue that the wedding was held at, and there were people who um, were very uh, content being there outside and and it went off you know without a hitch. The family is from Los Angeles, and in. in under ordinary circumstances, there probably would have been about 400 people at this wedding from um, uh, people coming from all parts of the country, especially from Los Angeles. And the uh, the number of people at the wedding was still, it was pretty sizable. It was still about 180 people, but it was... Um, a very interesting mix in talking with the people who were at the wedding many of whom were from Los Angeles the majority of the people who were there were conservatives and which which really was interesting on so many levels number one I didn't know that there were so many conservatives in California number two Maybe it had to do with the people that the, this family um, uh, spent time with, who they were friends with, and they gravitated to people who thought the way that they did. But another thought crossed my mind, which was that the, um, the, the people who didn't come, didn't come because they were frightened. They did not come because their lives have changed significantly because of this pandemic, because they've allowed it to change, because they're, they've been frightened by the, the, um, the reports in the media. They've been frightened by the disease itself. And it got me thinking about what is happening to our society, what is happening to health care, and specifically what's happening to the medical industry in, in the U.S. I was on a, a, a email stream with a bunch of doctors, a, a good number of very, very prominent, well-known doctors in multiple specialties Across the country, I happened to sit on one of the accrediting boards that I've talked about before, and um, and there was a question that came up, and the question was whether or not the um, our board should decertify a doctor who has been um, called out by the. Um, by social media and others for her unorthodox stand on COVID, on vaccinations, on 
different treatments for COVID patients. And it was a very interesting exchange of ideas on this email stream. But I found myself looking at this and thinking, oh, God, this is a departure from typical medical discourse. You know, doctors very often uh, disagree or have different opinions. And this was something that I have never experienced. You know, if you go on social media and you introduce yourself and you start out by saying, hi, I'm Hal, parentheses, he slash him, and you're defining your pronouns. And and the, the left has has made everybody react in a, in a strange, different way than what constitutes reality. <clears throat> and personally, I think this is total BS. I, I, if you haven't learned anything about me listening to this show over the years, you know where I stand on all of this woke garbage. And I don't participate in it, and I don't even acknowledge it. But when I was involved in this conversation with my peers, with people who are smarter than I am, who are who are really, I mean, leaders in their fields, in cardiology, in pulmonary medicine, in internal medicine, in, in anesthesia, and endocrinology... I found myself needing to define who I am in order for me to be able to engage with these people. I had to come up with new qualifiers. And and I felt like I needed to do this so that people would take me seriously, so that, that I wouldn't be marginalized in this discussion with my peers. And the... Um, and the conversation uh, um, went in the direction that um, the question of the safety of vaccinations and the ability of the government to require vaccinations um, could not even be discussed um, without these qualifiers. And, and, and you can't even talk about your actual experience taking care of patients who might have COVID with ideas that, ver- that differ, that, that, um, that go outside the mainstream thinking of the ortho- orthodoxy. In any case, in order to weigh into this discussion, I found that I needed to stake my position. And so I wrote what I wanted to write and then stopped and then wrote in a new paragraph and basically said, you know, just to be clear, I want everybody to understand where I'm coming from. I am pro-vaccine. I am pro-booster. I am anti-mask. I am anti-mandate. And I am certainly anti-censorship. And and um, I wrote that, and the conversation continued, and then I just sat back and thought, oh, my God, this is what the left is requiring of everyone when they 
get onto social media and they want to engage in a conversation, they have to qualify who they are and how they should be referred to or how they should be thought of. And I just I just basically lost it. And I couldn't believe that we've gotten to this point in time. How did we get here? This is this is crazy. This is crazyville. How did doctors allow the left to dominate healthcare? How are we as physicians? And I know that this show reaches a lot more people than just physicians. But you can you can um, put yourself in the position of doctors if you're not one, and ask yourself the question: Why did doctors allow this to happen? How did this occur? And by the way, I digress. I had a um, I had two encounters this week with people that really just opened my eyes about how influential this show is and the reach of this show which honestly sitting here in a small little studio in front of a microphone it's very very hard to appreciate or comprehend what the reach is but I had somebody who came up to me who I had not met before but said that they listened to the show all the time and I was I was actually very flattered because they had very nice things to say. But the thing that really, really took me by surprise, which I mean is is similar to what I've just said, is that there's a doctor in my practice who we hired. This guy's awesome. He is when I when I um, rail against the new generation of doctors which I will do again in the show today but we've we've hired a, just a slew of young doctors and we take incredible incredible um, pride in trying to drill down and find the right people the right fit the people who think like we do and I don't mean conservative, I mean who want to deliver good medicine, who are not entitled, who, who just get it, who are, who, who are old souls, who have an uh, appreciation for what it's like to take care of patients. And this doctor, I was at a social event for my practice, and he came up to me, and we were, we were chatting. I love this guy. I, I've I've done everything in my power to try to make him succeed and help build up his practice. And he said, I got to tell you, I knew you before I knew you. And I said, what what are you talking about? He goes, I was listening to your show for a while and I loved it. And I, you know, and I just... I, I uh, you know, love the things you talked about. I love the the ideas that you you have, the 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 um, thoughts that you share, and you um, you uh, make people think about. And when I came to interview in your practice, and I and I talked to you, and, I, and we were talking, I heard, I recognized your voice. And I didn't know where I heard that voice. And, and it just was really, you know, bothering me. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb went off. 
that, oh my God, I'm joining the practice of this guy that I've been listening to his radio show. And God, it sent shivers down my spine to hear him say that. And I think that that was you know, just such a, a, a moving event for me. And it really, it, it you know, taking care of patients to me is an honor and a privilege. It's one of the greatest, greatest joys of my life, especially kids, when parents entrust the care of their kids to me. But being able to share thoughts with all of you on a, uh, on, a on a weekly basis and um, and for you to listen to this and to digest it and sometimes actually um, think about the things that I'm saying and even on rarer occasions act on them is just such a powerful thing for me and I and I really do appreciate that. I appreciate it I think more today than I might have uh, um, a month ago or, or a year ago. So I just wanted to share that thought with you. But how do doctors allow the left to dominate healthcare? Well, of course, this is a rhetorical question, isn't it? Because any honest doctor knows how inept and useless doctors are. And I mean that sincerely. I think that doctors basically suck. And the this is an indictment of the medical profession in general and not any particular individuals because I think on an individual basis I think that doctors are good people I think that they try to do the right thing and they they want to take care of patients they they have a desire to help people um, I manage a group of over 50 doctors and most like I've said are nice nice people but everyone is thinking about themselves most of the time they're petty they're selfish they won't contribute um, more than they're expected to do. In other words, they come in, they take care of patients, but so many of them just want to come to work, see patients, collect a paycheck, and go home. They won't do the extra work that's necessary to build a business, to build a practice, to do the, the, the things that are necessary to succeed. And, of course, this is a generalization, but it's an important one to make in order to understand how we got to this place in time where the left has completely dominated health care. There was a time when doctors ruled health care. And you might think that this is a bad thing, and it wasn't. It was a good thing. It was good when doctors controlled everything. But several things happened about 60 years ago that changed everything about healthcare. The nose of the camel went under the tent in the form of the government when they got into the healthcare business. Specifically, progressives got into healthcare. Lyndon Johnson, one of the most notorious and despicable progressives, ushered in the great society, which in large part 
included Medicare and soon after Medicaid. And when the government got their nose under the tent, that's that was the beginning of the demise of health care and how the left has progressively um, overtaken the health care sector of our country. And every Marxist regime, and I, you know, the listeners of this show know that I don't call them Democrats anymore. I call them Marxists because that's what they are. The progressives have overtaken the Democratic Party. They're Marxists. And every Marxist regime that has risen to power over history, what do they do first? They nationalize health care so that they can control the population. They can control the people because when you own people's health care, you own the people. So it wasn't possible to do that in the U.S. like they did in Cuba, like they've done in Venezuela, like they've done in other parts of the world. Instead, it was a drip, 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 a slow drip. But Marxists play the long game. You see that in China. They've they've been at this since 1947. Um, you saw this in the Soviet Union before it fell in nineteen in the mid 1980s. They play the long game, and that's what the Marxists do in this country. They're playing the long game, and it's it's succeeding. Um, over 50 percent of health care is being paid for by the federal government right now. And pretty soon, more if they are able to inflict the damage that they wish to inflict before the 2022 election. And I'll come back to that point shortly because I want to share with everybody an article that was in uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, the day before yesterday. By Brian Blaze, who used to uh, be a uh, a policy consultant in the uh, Trump administration, but he wrote an excellent piece about the next uh, step for Medicaid and what the left wants to do and how they are going to further um, get their hands around health care. And I'll unpack that because it's very important. But the um, other thing that happened about 60 years ago, is that the power of doctors were was undermined, both from outside the profession and from within. And you might ask, well, how did that, how? What, what am I talking about? And so let me give you a partial list of some of the things that happened. Certificate of need, laws that prevent um, the establishment of um, competitive places to provide health care, now require um, government approval first, and the existing um, uh, places where care is provided have an opportunity to shut out their competition because they can challenge any attempts to try to um, build new um, 
new hospitals, new facilities. As I've said previously, it's like McDonald's and Burger King preventing me from opening up a hamburger stand because I have to first get permission from the government and I have to get McDonald's and Burger King to sign off on it. Another thing that undermined the control of care by doctors was the corporatization of medicine. There was a time in history when hospitals could not employ doctors. It, there was a firewall, and it it was called the corporate practice of medicine. This is why Kaiser Permanente started. Many people around the country get their care through Kaiser. Well, the Kaiser healthcare system um, was a hospital system, and they were prevented from hiring their own doctors. So. How did they get around this? Well, they contracted exclusively with a group of doctors called the Permanente Group, and they created a system outside the lines called the Kaiser Permanente System. And that, again, was the camel's nose under the tent that opened the door to the corporatization of healthcare, where now hospitals are employing more and more doctors. In fact, over 65% of doctors are employed by hospitals. Hospitals suck worse than doctors. And I'll talk to you about that too. But the, 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 there was a time in this country when hospitals were controlled by doctors. They were called doctors' hospitals. And doctors sat on the board, and they made the decisions. And they made the right decisions for the right reasons because they were concerned about patients. No longer. Hospitals make these decisions because of profits. Um, another thing that undermined doctors' control over health care was insurance company collusion to steal patients away from doctors. How did they do that? By enticing people to sign on to health care. They'll cover things, and they'll be able to give people who didn't have coverage that coverage. And we've seen what has happened to insurance and people with insurance over the years. It's become more and more expensive. It's covered less and less. And for the physicians who are now beholden to the insurance companies, they have to participate in the insurance company plans or else they don't have access to the patients. And by the way, the insurance companies decide how much they want to pay the doctors. It's not the doctors who decide what they want to charge patients, unless, of course, you go outside of the insurance realm, which is something that uh, we discuss on this show all the time with free market health care. And then there's the infiltration of the medical associations and societies, giving up more and more control, hoping that by doing the bidding of the special interests that they will be thought of more favorably, that these entities will like them more and maybe even stay out of their way and not uh, hurt them. And, and that is just um, folly. That's a fool's errand. That has not happened. And it's, it, it is ceding uh, more and more to these special interests and uh, not getting anything. And we know that when you lose power, control, and money, then others control the industry. 
and it may be hard for people who are not part of this to understand why it didn't stop and why doctors who provide the services just don't say no. And I'm going to give you the answer to that question if you stay with us. So please come back and stay with us in the Doctor's Lounge. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group and to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back in the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Today I am trying to give everyone an idea about how healthcare has so deteriorated, and it's all part of the plan of the left. Um, and it is no more evident than in the disarray that we see every single day with COVID. And it is just um, overwhelming to people. Um, I'm not going to specifically talk about COVID. We may um, dive into that a little bit at the end if there's time. But I'm trying to give people an idea of how things could have gotten to this point and why we're not in a better place. Why, when we've got a problem like COVID, why doesn't the medical industry, why don't the doctors, why don't the experts step up and take control of this situation? And that's because doctors are no longer in control of the situation in healthcare. And it, it's an unfortunate situation. I think that there may be an opportunity to swing that pendulum back, but it's going to take a, uh, an enormous effort. It's going to be Herculean um, with a lot of heavy lifting. So why didn't doctors just say no when every um, when special interests started to erode the the grip that doctors had over health care? Well, I told you. Doctors suck. They, they're sheep. 
they don't stop this, but instead are compliant drones because they they don't want to buck the system. They don't want to they don't want to swim upstream against the current. They want to find ways to get along and just do their job. We've heard so long, you know, that doctors are so focused on healthcare that they can't think about what else is going on around them business politics whatever and that has been just a pack of lies to be able to control health care by powerful special interests by the left and they and the doctors don't want to fight back they don't want to stick their heads out of the mole hole they don't want anybody to whack their head and they want to keep a low profile without making a fuss but that doesn't happen. The Marxists can't leave anyone alone because they're only interested in power and money. There's an old saying in the Soviet Union, money is power and power creates money. And this is, this is uh, on display here in, in the U.S. in healthcare. Let's look at two specific areas where the left has inflicted great harm in healthcare. And they're interconnected, actually. It's hospitals and physician training. So let's start with hospitals. And I am no fan of the hospital complex in this country. And ask almost any doctor whether hospitals are good or bad. And any honest broker will truthfully admit how bad they are. They are the worst. They spend a lot of money on PR. They look like they are caring places, but they're cold, cold institutions. And there are many doctors who are on the take who defend them. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I mean that they're employed by the hospitals and they have to jump when the hospitals tell them how high they they have to do the bidding for their bosses but in america today the majority of hospitals are run by administrators who pay themselves handsomely and cut corners at the expense of doctors employees and yes patients this has been true for years, but it took a crisis like COVID to shine a light on this problem. And we're not talking about small rural hospitals who are fighting for their survival, hospitals that may be the difference maker between life and death for people in small communities. Those are, those are absolutely critical places for, for um, delivery of health care. No, I'm referring to these behemoths in urban centers and suburban uh, areas around the country, cities where three to five major health care systems have gobbled up all the small hospitals to capture market share. And in these communities, these hospitals, these systems may be the largest employers in some communities. So they've got politicians and the Chamber of Commerce in their back pocket. These hospitals have received special status 
They don't have to pay taxes because they're non-profit corporations. And that means that they don't distribute profits to shareholders, but it doesn't mean that they don't make gobs and gobs of money. No, they make obscene amounts of money. And so what do they do with these profits? Well, they grow. They buy more hospitals and real estate, and they pay themselves more and more money, and they hire more and more of their ilk to create a bigger bureaucracy. Baylor Medical Center in Dallas makes so much money that their major business isn't healthcare. It's real estate. They're basically a real estate company that now dabbles in medicine. And that's true about many of these healthcare systems all around the United States. Here's an exercise for you to do, and I highly, highly recommend that you do this, lest you take what I'm saying as gospel, or even worse, you don't believe what I'm saying. Go to your computer, open up a browser, open up your Google browser, and put in IRS 990 for whatever hospital you choose to look at. It can be Cleveland Clinic, IRS 990. It could be Cedars-Sinai, IRS 990. There's a good chance that your hospital is not a a for-profit hospital, but a non-for-profit hospital. And if they are, they are required by the government to disclose the high salary employees on their IRS 990 form. And when you do that, I think that it will take your breath away how shocking and revolting these salaries for non-health care personnel are. And this is why the power has been taken away from the doctors because there's so much money to be made that this special interest group will not relinquish the power back to doctors. They want to keep a hold on it to the detriment of all of you. So with all this money, what did the hospitals do during COVID? This is, this is really a very important thing for you to pay attention to. Did they protect their employees and say, you people are important parts of our of our, um, our, our business, our community, and we want to help you? Some hospitals did. Some of them redeployed their employees when their core business um, taking care of patients, acute, acute care, um, elective care disappeared. But many hospitals, more than the, the majority, um, didn't go into their very generous endowments or their, the, the, their, their war chest of money. The hospital's administrators in many of these places didn't take pay cuts. No, what they did was they furloughed employees. Furloughing employees in many cases meant firing employees because they didn't continue their benefits, which people needed during the pandemic. No, they just said, well, you know what, we just can't continue to keep you on. 
And so they let them go. So big surprise, big gigantic surprise. What happened when the hospitals wanted these people back? Do you think that they just were sitting home waiting to come right back to their job at the hospital that basically stabbed them in the back and screwed them? No, they they found other jobs or they decided not to come back to work at all or they changed careers. And so now, today, the hospitals are facing a critical manpower shortage, which didn't need to happen. It was a problem before the pandemic, but if they would have done the right thing and kept their workforce, taking care of their workforce, the problem wouldn't be quite as bad as it is today. Because now, on the on the uh, propaganda news every night, we are hearing about how states with um, low vaccination rates are um, having serious um, shortages of beds in their hospitals um, across 13 states. And while that may be true that there's an uptick in cases in these in these states and the hospitals are struggling, it's not because of COVID. It's because they don't have the people to staff the beds because they didn't take care of their employees. And so now they find themselves doubly screwed with an uh, a uptick, a surge in patients that need to be taken care of, and not enough people to take care of them in the hospitals. So here you see the problem with why hospitals are not to be trusted, why they are they are only concerned about their profits. The pendulum is swinging, though. I've read an article this past week about how there is not that uptick in employed physicians. It's not the curve has flattened and may actually be going downward because, number one, nobody's trusting the hospitals anymore because of things that I've just gone through with you about the way that they behave. Number two, the history of hospitals and doctor employment hasn't been favorable. They've in, they've um, uh, expected doctors to do more and more for the same or less reimbursement, and they suck more work out of the physicians. And at the end of the at the uh, day, ultimately, the losers are the patients because instead of spending forty five minutes with a patient, they're spending seven minutes because they've got uh, quotas that they have to maintain that the hospital demands of them. So, doctors are now seeing this. The older doctors are moving away from the hospitals. It's going to be a generational change, though, and this new generation of doctors is a, uh, a big problem because they're not necessarily interested in putting in the time and the work to build a practice, and they would prefer to be employed 
people, people who work on shifts instead of working for themselves and being devoted to their patients. They would prefer instead to come into the hospital, work their eight hours, and then punch out, and they're done. And that's one of the things that brings me to the next point, which is why um, we're seeing this change in healthcare, and it's the dumbing down of healthcare, the erosion of healthcare in this country. Um, again, a an effort that has been perpetrated by the left by the infiltration into our medical societies, our associations, and and um, really the wokefulness. It's a combination of the infiltration into our societies, medical societies, plus the wokefulness of the young people who they're training. It's a perfect storm. So instead of instead of um, reinforcing the ideals and the and the principles that have made American medicine great over the last hundred years, it's introducing doubt, introducing questions, introducing um, a new way of thinking, a wokeful way of thinking into healthcare. And they've got a receptive population in the young doctors who embrace this way of thinking. And the leaders of these societies, many of whom are these wokeful um, young people who have grown up with this ideology and now are in a position to influence change, Marxist change in healthcare. And it's a long slide down. We're seeing this. We're seeing the blurring of the lines of medical care. And again, I am not for one second throwing, um, uh, uh, painting this with a broad brush and saying that people who aren't doctors can't take care of patients well, because they can. We have, in my practice, um, um, almost uh, a uh, one to two ratio of, uh, or two to one, two doctors to one mid-level nurse practitioners or physician's assistants, but, and they do great work, but they're different than doctors. They just are. You can't have a nurse practitioner do a gallbladder operation on you. You can't have a physician's assistant who can critically read x-rays and know uh, nuances of one study from another because they've seen it you know, thousands of times. They're different. And the left wants you to believe that everybody's the same so that they can dumb down health care. And what has happened is that with this school of thought, individual thinking, critical thinking, has been replaced with groupthink and critical pathways and protocols and the ability of doctors to think 
at, for themselves or to to um, make critical decisions um, has has disappeared or is disappearing. My mother complains. She goes to the doctor and, and doesn't get a physical exam anymore by her internist. She just sits there and they, she gets asked questions and the doctor is not looking at her but looking at the chart at lab work or at an x-ray that he ordered or an EKG. And that's how medicine is administered now. They don't administer it by actually examining patients. They do it by ordering tests and looking at what the results show. At one of the hospitals that I work at, the radiology department has been eliminated because of money. And they replaced it with far inferior doctors because their belief is that any warm body is as good as another. And the reports are wrong. They are they are um they're just wrong so often and we have complained and complained and complained about it and the head of the radiology department said when we pointed out these mistakes said well you know what mistakes are a built in part of what we do we expect a a mistake every 1200 patients that we see and we just heard this and lost lost our shit. We just couldn't believe this. And what's worse is that there are doctors who order these tests who don't look at their x-rays. I look at my x-rays. I don't... Surgeons are trained to never do an operation without looking at x-rays, at least old-time surgeons. And anybody who hasn't looked at the x-rays who's a surgeon and just relies on a report is asking for trouble. That's almost malpractice. But doctors who are non-surgeons who've never had experience looking at x-rays, people in emergency rooms, they don't look at x-rays. They just read the report. And if your radiology department is inferior and gets it wrong, one out of every 1,200 patients, because that's accepted, you can imagine that mistakes won't get caught and people will get treated incorrectly and with great harm inflicted on them. But that's okay. That's what the left is wanting. They're producing doctors with less training, less training in years, less training in hours, less skilled taking care of problems because they don't see them. They don't put in the time. They don't put in the hours. They're working on shifts. If an interesting problem comes in at the end of their shift, instead of the intellectual curiosity of trying to stick with it and find out what's going on, it's their time to go home. Surgeons are are less trained than they used to be. Less hours, less opportunity to operate because of replacing traditional surgeries with um, new technology, laparoscopy, robotics, which is special laparoscopy. There are surgeons who graduate from some of the best programs in this country who are absolutely incapable at the end of their training to open up an abdomen and operate. We had a, we had a doctor. I'm not going to point out any names or practice, but I will just tell you that this person 
graduated from a fellowship program and was hired by practice to take care of special problems, got into the operating room and needed to leave the operating room three times to look at a YouTube video about how to take care of this problem surgically. This is something that never, ever, 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 ever happened in the past. In Emory, where I train residents in my private practice, they come through my practice, Emory Urology Department has allowed their trainees half two half days per three-month rotation at their discretion as mental health days so that they, if they feel like they need to decompress, they could just call in and say, I'm not going to be coming in. I'm taking this as a mental health half day. This is, this is what's happening. This is the direction, the trajectory of healthcare in this country because of the left. So on this trajectory, where are we going with this? Well, I think that healthcare in America is in trouble. Um, doctors are leaving practice, and we're left with <clears throat> doctors who are smart, who feel who are caring people, who are good people, but incapable of doing what my generation of doctors and the generation before me did. <clears throat> um, I think that I've heard now of a couple of people who've started a business, which is about advocates for people in, in when they go into the hospital. You can no longer go to the hospital and trust what's going to happen. You, you don't the quality of the people that they're bringing in at the hospitals is so inferior and there's so few people that you have to be vigilant and make sure that you get what you need and you don't get what you don't need and so there's a, a, a emerging uh, business of advocates for people when they go into hospital so that you can hire somebody who will sit there and be able to uh, scrutinize what's happening at the hospital so if you're a doctor and you um, have family members, you can do that. But if you're a non-doctor, you can find somebody who can provide that service for you because that's what you're going to need in this left-controlled healthcare environment. And then we're seeing other things being introduced that I've talked about on this show before, critical race theory being introduced into healthcare or um, or transgender um, into healthcare where um, the American Academy of Pediatrics is recognizing that it's okay to treat children with with um, uh, puberty alter, altering drugs as young children and uh, which which so many of us believe is actually child abuse but there is more and more wokefulness in our ranks that this is the trajectory we're going there needs to be a great awakening in healthcare and i know that it's difficult to buck the tide and i I, I am saying this to my doctor colleagues, but also to non-doctors out there, that if we don't take this back, 
from the parasites that look to swallow up health care, we're going to be dealing with a healthcare future that's very different than what we have come to expect and what we are going to need in the future. If doctors don't step up, who don't put a stop to the pseudo-doctors controlling the narratives, no one, no one will be safe in the future. And I, I know we don't have time to go into this article about what's going to happen in Medicare in uh, a Biden plan going forward. But let me just say this. I've got one minute. Um, this $3.5 trillion Democratic plan basically is a blueprint to expand Medicaid to the point where it will it will um, suffocate out private health care insurance and it will steal money from Medicare. Every senior and every person with private insurance needs to call their representative and tell them that they're going to recall them if they vote for anything like this. This is absolutely critical. You've got to do this right away. Thanks for being with us today. I know this was a Debbie Downer show about why we are in the mess we're in in healthcare. But it's the Marxists, it's the leftists. You have to understand that we've got to take it back or we're all dead. I'll be with you in two weeks again. Um, My co-host, Dr. Scott, will be joining you next week. Thanks for being with us. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.